Hey Beaver fam, it's McKenna Martinez, forward for the Oregon State women's soccer team. You're listening to the Belligerent Beavs podcast. Chop them. Was that, was that like faint screaming? Can you repeat that, Benny? I, I want to make sure the listeners at home get word for word at sound for sound, decibel for decibel. Exactly. <laughs> ah! That sounded louder now. Are, are you yelling into the microphone or is that what anything sounded like at Husky Stadium on Friday night with how <laughs> goddamn windy it was? <laughs> yeah, both. Welcome to the 70th episode of the Belligerent Beeves podcast. This is your sanctuary of sadness, uh, but still purveyors of positivity uh, and and any other kind of alliterative puns. Uh, Obviously, all three of us are devastated over the the heartbreak in Seattle uh, on Friday night. Uh, Husky Stadium just continues to be a, uh, a house of goddamn horrors for your favorite football team, which is, of course, the Oregon State Beavers, uh, the, the, la- the last hope in this cool, cool world. Beavers fall to six and three. Uh, we are going to get into the, the nitty gritty of everything, the game, uh, what's, what lies ahead and everything. I am your co-host. Terry Horstman at Terry Horstman on Twitter at Terrence Holstman on Instagram. I normally don't say the socials until the very end, but I, we took a bye week last week. We're coming off a loss. Maybe we're switching it up, guys. I don't know. You also miss our end last time. You did. I did. I did. Yeah. yeah. A, a thunderstorm on the North Shore of Minnesota decided that uh, uh, this podcast is is better without me. And I listened to the the very end of that episode and and it was better so i may be retiring from the belligerent beefs podcast very soon <laughs> here if things continue like this which uh, i'm sure many of our listeners would be be happy to hear <laughs> just kidding i know i'm the favorite <laughs> <laughs> all three favorite. of us are equal favorite anyway i am joined as i always am by my dude jp bertram in portland rocking uh, a belligerent beefs logo tee and a dope WNBA matching dad hat. That's pretty sick. I haven't that seen those. I hat. haven't seen those. I have that hoodie. I do not have that hat, and I want that hat. You just be all orange. Be all orange. Just a giant pumpkin. <laughs> I'm. I'm. I was. I. I didn't even realize this. Uh, on on the positive front, I am 16 days away from my flight to Portland for the TK 3085 and Thanksgiving in Portland, and a whole week in the great state of Oregon with you two. Uh, so I'm saying with you, JP, again, because I, I don't understand. I'm in your room you, right now. You are in my room, and I'm going to steal that. I hat. can see your bed. <laughs> and of course, that <laughs> that that creepy screamer looking at, creeping at my Portland bed is Benjamin Lawrence Sebastian Weehage <laughs> up in the great state of Washington. We love the state of Washington with the exception of the goddamn Huskies beating us again in Seattle. That's true. Yeah, not... Not not a fun time to be a resident of this state. As a Beaver fan, you're wearing a, a dope uh, home field Oregon State shirt, though. Yeah, that looks cool. Thanks, man. Are you wearing so, the yeah. home field hoodie? No, I'm wearing, and I, I'm wearing the home field hoodie. Yeah, just yeah. just the regular one. Regular shirt. Benny, Benny's got the tee on. Look at look at us being uh, just co- company men, partnership men. 
just shout, shout out all it, it, yeah influencers <laughs> you could say i i didn't say that but certain contracts we've signed have said that and that's that's pretty cool so i was an influencer on friday night I influenced I influenced everyone in my section, Husky and Beaver fans, to yell at the Duck fans that right. decided to wear their jerseys. I was gonna say and, and Duck fan, like so. We're gonna get we're gonna dive into the the nitty gritty of the actual football game, X's and O's, the hard hitting analysis that you come to the Belligerent Beefs podcast for, listeners. <laughs> so don't you worry. But Benny, you were uh, of the three of us, you were the only one who was at the game on Friday. Again, a twenty four to twenty one heartbreaker uh but something that i think oregon state fans and washington fans have uh come together on o- over over the years since i believe since ni- 1895 that this rivalry has taken place and that is a mutual hatred and the f- uh, a representative of that hatred was was at the game and uh ca- causing a bit of a ruckus yeah yeah, there was just a it was just a group of uh it was it was weird. It was a group of duck fans. Um like five maybe. They all had Oregon jerseys on. Weird. But but were they wearing gloves. They were uh, they were in the gloves. <laughs> it is it is weird that they came to our game with Washington wearing their stuff when they live rent free in our minds. <laughs> that, that, that any duck fan will tell you they never think about Oregon State. They just travel to Oregon State games to tell you how they are rent living rent free in our minds. That's that's yeah. just interesting. Just an interesting observation that I am making now, duck fans. I know a few of you are listening. <laughs> which which uh, you know they they could counter that if it was tickets like up in the nosebleeds but these were like fifth row tickets so uh they they spent a pretty penny to come and be uh, whatever they were trying to be belligerent you could say antagonistic maybe, maybe. they're maybe they tried to be yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> belligerent and antagonistic are they're they're, they're very close the, the line are. between antagonistic and belligerent is blurry one could say mm, yeah one is you know just charming cuddly and funny and harmless while the other is just goddamn annoying yeah um, i don't know though are are they just uh prematurely upset about dan lanning's imminent departure for <laughs> auburn university did you ask them benny <laughs> <laughs> i didn't i don't think the word had come out uh, or i had not heard that rumor by that point yet but um wasn't yeah, it a foregone that, conclusion the minute he joined the program that it would be a, a one and done? <laughs> yeah. 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 He had the imprint of the duck on the sole of his shoe. It is such a stepping stone school now. Once, <laughs> once they failed to woo the Big Ten into letting them join, I think uh, that was that was the final final nail in the coffin. That's right. Um, but also, so Benny, you were there. A duck fan got kicked out of your section. Hey, and um, I got a hand to you, Benny. You're on on-premise journalism video journalism was amazing yeah <laughs> thanks i um i had a lot of free time especially when the lights <laughs> went out for 20 minutes um <laughs> but yeah it was uh we'll, we'll get into like you said the x's and those later but um i, I thought uh just sort of a a, a couple um main notable points number one is that oregon state fans showed up like crazy for this. I've been to a couple of away games uh, in in the last couple of years. And um, this was, I mean, there were Husky fans that were talking to me like we had no idea that Oregon State traveled this well. Um, And and they did. And I think that that's, uh, you know, that's something to point out is when our team's playing well, our fans travel well. So that was really good to see. 
Um, and I mean, it was <laughs> the conditions there. I don't know what they look like on TV, but they were, um, it was windy as hell. And it was so, <laughs> it was the coldest 58 degree weather I've ever been in in my entire life. Um, well, if you followed yeah, our socials, you would have seen, uh, again, your, your video journalism of your hot dog buns yeah, shivering but, in the wind. You, yeah. Someone tagged what, one of my uh, favorite social media accounts is Footy Scran, which just tweets pictures of different concession items at different soccer stadiums around <laughs> the world. And it's often like some they'll, they'll uh, post stuff that like looks amazing and fire, but also just like really shitty hot dogs because especially like in like English stadiums, <laughs> the English England love you love love English pubs love the Premier League London great time uh, food not a big fan <laughs> so we we all have our faults um, so someone tagged Footy Scrand in the the video of your dry ass hot dog it was so dry in a way it it looked it was one of the saddest looking hot dogs ever even without the wind involved it it was so i mean it was dry before the wind but the wind definitely sucked every little ounce of moisture out of that thing was there ketchup mustard and relish on it and it just blew away yeah (laughs) (laughs) no i put the ketchup uh mustard no relish they didn't have relish but uh ketchup and mustard on after because it was so windy that the pour from the little packet to the hot dog, the wind would have just carried like <laughs> streams yeah. of ketchup and mustard. You got to use the packet the as like a, sp- a spreading device. In, right. In that, in that. Uh, yeah. How was the hot dog? Did it turn out okay? No, it was so bad. Okay. It was, yeah. But um, Husky Stadium, famous for a lot of things, but not their food. Um, their, yeah. food's, their food's just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Research Stadium's better. Well, obvi. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. It played in. It tied in nicely, though. Uh, you guys saw this, I think, right? We had that one random UW fan find us on social media, and <laughs> the, the butts, the butts guy. Yeah, we yeah. weren't even talking about anything really about, the, about UW or their football team. We were literally mentioning that how windy it is in the Northwest. That like uh-huh. how people's power was like dropping. So yeah. oh yeah, and there's a duck fan who is like, "You fucking losers!" Blame it on the power outage already. And oh I was yeah, like, I saw that guy too. This, this tweet was posted like six hours before the game. Telling <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> time isn't their forte. They don't teach that in Eugene. But yeah, the, uh, this guy Devin James, who was like, "You should be more worried about the butt the Beavers are about to receive," <laughs> and. He quickly deleted it, but uh, as we had proven, the internet doesn't forget, uh, and we screenshotted <laughs> it and pr- pronounced, uh, proclaimed, really, our, our love of butts, of all butts. And, of course. Uh, even buns fl- uh, flapping in the wind um, around a hot dog are still butts. Exactly. We it's are... kind of like that conversation, right. like, is a, is like a hot dog a sandwich? Well, no, it's a butt. No, it's, it's a, a butt. butt. Yeah. <laughs> and we are a, we are a butt positive podcast. Exactly. That's true. Yeah. Exactly. So shout out to uh, uh, at Devin James six six on Twitter. Th- thanks for reaching out. And also thank you for being a good sport. <laughs> very, very fun interaction uh, for, for the three of us. Congrats on the win, I guess. I yeah. guess. Reluctant yeah. congrats, but also just a shout out to mutual love of butts. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Hashtag butts. Yeah. At the end of the uh, day, we're all we're all just people and we all have butts. It's true. Yeah. We're all sitting on really our butts point. making this goddamn podcast. <laughs> Um, but anyways, uh, there is, oh, there, has been, there has been, there has been, 
but <laughs> that's a one T, but uh, good news from the weekend. Uh, we announced another belligerent beeves athlete, the latest Woo! addition to the belligerent beef athlete fan on Friday. And this time it is, uh, we don't really need to do a drum roll because we made this public, but Tanner Smith. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. We brought a rocket this time. Damn Welcome, right. Welcome Tanner. Hell Welcome yeah. To the fam. Very Hell cool. Yeah, Tanner. Did you know Very Tanner cool. Smith? Uh, I, we're big fans of Tanner. Love his game. We, we've gotten to have a couple conversations with him. Great kid. Great catcher. Uh, Going to have a great season for the Beavs. Uh, born and spent a lot of time in uh, Bemidji, Minnesota. Yeah. Ooh. Which is what's in Be- Bemidji? Bemidji State University is there. Do you know what their uh, university nickname is? Butts. It should be. Oh. The, the Bemidji State Butts would be great. They are the Bemidji. <laughs> oh. The Bemidji the, State Beavers. Oh, oh nice. They have the a hockey program, and I'm not sure if they have anything else. But their hockey team is actually pretty good. Could, Do their hockey you, uniforms have a beaver on them? Oh, cool. I was just going to ask. Yeah, we, should, oh, we should get some Bemidji. I'll, I'll, like, let's, I'll, send a, I'll send an email. We'll become Bemidji State influencers. Is it Bemidji? Bemidji, yeah. Oh. Bemidji. Bemidji. You got weird words out there. I bet it does not look <laughs> how it sounds. <laughs> oh, it, it does. Does it? B-E-M-I-D-G-I. J-I, sorry. J-I. <laughs> I, was, I was saying how it sounds, not spelling how it... <laughs> I was saying how it sounds, not spelling how it is. It, shout out Bemidji, Minnesota. It's beautiful up there. It is very cold, but it is beautiful. I, been, uh, I've been in summer and loved it and winter and hated it. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's the Northland. It's the Northland for, for sure. Uh, but yeah, the hometown of Tanner Smith before he went to Arizona, which is a, a little bit less cold than, than that part of the <laughs> that, country. That's a huge change. I know. Even though, and, uh, congratulations, reluct, a bit of a, re, a begrudging congratulations. Cause I did not want this team to do well. Though I do like the man in charge, Dusty Baker, world champion. Yay. Finally did it without cheating. Houston this maybe. time. Maybe. We don't know what's in his gloves. We don't yeah. know what's in his gloves. Uh, congr- the Houston Astros are your World Series champions for 2022. Uh, different shade of orange, but whatever. And I think Philadelphia like became the first, uh, they became like the first state or something to lose two national like championships in the same Oof. night. Philadelphia is a city. Wait, they, they lost what? <laughs> they lost MLS. Did you, Betty, oh. did you watch, did you watch MLS cup? I, I saw the highlights though. It was an awesome game and I felt <laughs> so bad for Philly. I if anyone listening to this is a Philadelphia union fan somehow, uh, just, <laughs> DM us. We'll we'll send you something. Uh, but I wanted the union to win that game and did, did you know didn't lose sleep off of it. But what a game that was. And uh yeah, tough, tough day to be a Philly fan in general. Uh you usually won't f- find me feeling sorry for uh fans of the uh, city of brotherly love, but <laughs> Wait, that was in the the ML. I mean, I think most people know how the the baseball series ended. MLS Cup. That was Philly was up with like two minutes left, right? And yeah. LA scored a goal. And so LA, it was, like was, LA was down to ten men. Oh, There's I didn't a know red that. Card. Their keeper got a red card, so their backup keeper came in, and right. then Philly scored. They're down to ten men, but their backup keeper is a penalty specialist. Philly scores a penalty kick saving specialist. And then Gareth Bale, like the the one meaningful touch he's taken since he's gotten to LA. Yeah. A precursor for him breaking the hearts of the U.S. in two weeks at the World I, I know. 
Gareth Bale ties it, and then this backup key, uh, keeper McCarthy makes every single save in the PK shootout, and they and they win in PKs. That's heartbreak city, man. Heartbreak city. Good game though. Uh, fun sports weekend apart from our result, and but yeah, Niners didn't lose. Vikings won. Yeah, seven man, and Vikings one. Pull that out. I. I oh. I've decided I've decided to start having fun with this team and stop complaining. Yeah, well, I was I was keeping up on Thank red you. zone today and like <laughs> I saw it was wild. It was a crazy I saw game. them what take the lead like uh 17 14 with like, like a minute left or something. And nah, I'm like was... well they kicked the field goal. I saw the field goal go through the and then I was like okay cool they I think they're going to pull this one out. And then I saw it come back around and they kicked another field goal and I was like well, what? They... Like they, they I, I, for whatever reason, that was the same kick, but it ended up it was being different. Yeah, they an kicked, actual game winner. They kicked the field goal to go up with like three minutes left or something. Yeah. Uh, but one of uh, the Washington commanders, uh, Randy Moss called them to watch the Washington Commodores by accident on ESPN nice. countdown today. And I think that's just a better, better uh, name for sure. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I wish I knew the name of a Commodore song off the top of my head. <laughs> so every five seconds. <laughs> I do know that. Sorry, Dad. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> My excuse is I don't want to give JP more work to do. Uh, but so a dude on the Commanders slash Commodores slash Washington football team, uh, just like drilled our long snapper, like not a weird, just dumb move, like not even really trying to block it, which you, you can't touch the long snapper on a on a field goal. Uh, so they call personal foul, took the points off the board. We ran three more plays, ran the clock off. Washington was out of timeouts. And then we kicked it again with 12 seconds left to, to win 2017. Um, but we were, we were down 17, seven, like with eight minutes left in the fourth. <laughs> and then it was just like, shit, let's win the game now. And after playing like ass for <laughs> three and a half quarters, we just had <laughs> three or four big plays. And now we have uh, we have won six consecutive one score games. Wow, which is r- ridiculous. <laughs> I have a question for you. Do you feel like you can um, celebrate Kirk Cousins now? Yes. Wow, you've moved on oh. from his, hey, his anti vaxxing being... ways. You oh, just hey, saw him I... with shirtless and then wearing all these chains. Well, and he's been sh- now you love he's... him. <laughs> He's been. Sh- hey, I, I feel like he's winning you over too with that behavior. If if I if I have to say so myself, uh, I, I still don't love the anti-vax shit, but that has uh, calmed down a, a little bit. Uh, I still, if you want to ask me, this team as constructed, can it win a Super Bowl paying Kirk Cousins what they're paying? And I have to say yes or no. I'm going to say no. I don't think they can, but they keep winning. Uh, and uh, the team seems to like each other, which is a nice uh, change of pace from the last couple of years under Zimmer, where it seemed like no one wanted to have any fun whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, like, I don't know. And I have Kirk in both fantasy leagues that I play in. And he's like, I don't, he's like the number nine or 10 fantasy quarterback, which isn't great, but that's just kind 10 of team league. <laughs> my other league's a 12 team league, which still some <laughs> 10, teams, 10 teams need to start a quarterback. And I, I'm doing okay in that league that I'm starting in that I'm starting Kirk in, in our league. Like, it's just, he is that guy. Like he's going to finish around 10 to 14 in the NFL and his numbers aren't going to be awful. But I mean, if they keep winning games, like that's all I give a shit about. Man, the beef can use him. Right. Yeah. I know. If we could just, you know, like just take that exact template and put it into the quarterback position. Like that is, that's all (laughs) that's needed. Just solid, solid, dorky, competitive quarterback play. <laughs> uh, at, at the, yeah, I would take any personality at this point. Just 
Throw, yeah. Someone that can throw a tight spiral. <laughs> oh, am yeah. I right? Well, that is right. Got to do beers. We do got to do beers. I was like, none of us can throw a tight spiral, but uh, this we can pour a tight spiral of beer into our <laughs> mouths, probably. Definitely. Um, right as uh, Benny actually almost got to see this, he signed onto the Zoom just a second too late. But I opened my can of beer and it exploded <laughs> all over. <laughs> and I'm just gonna go first because I got this beer because this reflected more in my mood technically Saturday morning, but Saturday morning immediately after the game ended. So the game with the stoppage and power outage and everything, the game ended about 1.30 ish AM central time. <laughs> and I, I won't, I'm going to bring this up now so that I don't zero in on it later, but the delay of game after the false start in the fourth quarter. Oh, had me furious i was thinking of you when that happened i was so mad i feel I like every beaver i could tell <laughs> please don't read my texts i don't think i said anything that outlandish mainly just hey this happened in a game earlier this year and it seems <laughs> to be happening again <laughs> if there's one person that hates pre-snap penalties on their team more than you I, I i've not met that person or anyone close to that terry they don't exist no they don't someone in my apartment for sure had a conversation with a friend or a family member i had someone moved in very recently to my floor and i'm sure it was just like yeah, it seems to be fine, but someone like really late on Friday night was just screaming pre-snap <laughs> unforced errors over and over again. <laughs> so in honor of that feeling, I am drinking a Surly Furious and I just got this Ooh. case today after the Vikings game, put it in the fridge, got home, changed, did some laundry, went to dinner with some friends, came home, got ready for this podcast, pulled out the beer, getting ready to start, opened it, and it exploded. <laughs> so I think this beer was also mad about the pre-snap on fourth <laughs> error. Back to back! <laughs> I'm not mad. I woke up and I was more just sad. Sad boy autumn on Saturday morning proper, but figured, hey, Surly Furious, it's a good beer, it's a good IPA, and it is aptly named for how I felt in <laughs> the closing moments of Oregon State's football game on Friday night, November 4th, 2022 at Husky Stadium. Nice. Uh, I like that. And for talk, and because I talk shit, I got what I deserved, but the beer exploding all over me. Mm. <laughs> Karma. So, it, so it's even, so it's even. I don't have to feel bad anymore. <laughs> No. The universe will always get you back. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, next. Yeah. So uh, I have a uh, little squeezy, juicy, pale, by the shoots, blah, 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 blah. But I have it for a reason. Here's the reason. In 2016, the shoots opened up their East Coast brewing operation. Do you know where they opened that up, you guys? East Coast. Um, Boston? No. no, in Roanoke, Virginia, oh, which Roanoke, is named Virginia. after the colony of Roanoke, which is uh, pertinent uh, as they disappeared just like our offense did after the first quarter. <laughs> so cheers to the shoots. Cheers to Gary Fish. You know the word pertinent, but you don't know autumnal? What the fuck? <laughs> I, I know autumnal. I just have I trouble so saying can't. it. I just can't say it. There's Honestly, <laughs> I thought that this like research storytelling was going to go so much deeper I've just through all these twisted yep. turns just and it just abruptly ended. Disappeared. <laughs> <laughs>
ended just like our offense did. No, I have much love for our offense. I'm just what, playing. Was the original colony of Roanoke blown away by <laughs> severe winds? <laughs> Some say. Some say. Oh. It's it's a legend passed on by the ages. Oh, little little squeezy. I like it. Yeah. I used to smoke pot with little squeezy. Oh yeah, good guy. <laughs> <laughs> had I'll to be bring right back. back. It's it's been a while <laughs> since we had that. I said pot and Benny has to leave. I wonder why. <laughs> uh well while Benny is gone getting whatever he's getting, JP, what uh what succulent suds are keeping you company this evening? Well, you saw I was at Great Notion this week. Yes, usually. Shout out Great Notion because they closed their kitchen and then now rent it out to Matt's Barbecue Tacos. Oh, wow. So, you know, the infamous Matt's Barbecue also has a very famous Matt's Barbecue Tacos cart in Southeast. And now they've opened a permanent, somewhat brick-and-mortar establishment from within uh, Great Notion on Alberta. So now you can go and enjoy some incredible beers along with some amazing barbecue tacos. And I had to go check it out. I got very autumnal while I was there. I had a beer that on Untapped, its first flavor profile choice was autumnal. And I thought, yes, that is hey, hilarious. That. It's one of my favorite words. It's just one of my favorite words and my favorite season. It's only your favorite word because I can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> that is okay. my that is my third favorite thing about it, not my first. <laughs> other than our podcast, it's only the other the only second other place that I've actually seen it used. So um, I was quite surprised. It was a good beer. This isn't what I'm drinking, though. I actually got a different beer, brought it home. It, it's not the first time I've had it, but I wasn't planning on having it tonight, but I felt like I should because it's called Notion of Courage, and I feel like what the way that uh, the, the Beaver Nation is spiraling right now uh, into some dark places after this game Friday night. Someone needs to have some courage to say the things that uh, they need to hear. And that will probably be me. So I needed to give myself a little notion of courage. <laughs> yeah, it takes, it, takes a, it takes a big man to have courage in the face of adversity. And I am that big man. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is that is right. Can, uh, the man who just compared to the offense to uh, the colony that got lost um, also said, we have to stop doing this every time that we lose a game. They That will happen from time to time. We were the better team, yes. But like, yeah, I, I took... Like one look at Oregon State Twitter when I was on oh, it was when I was on in, in line for uh, getting on the light rail and immediately logged off. It yeah, was the it was line bad. looked bad enough. I can't imagine putting yourself through the torment of trying to find any positives, uh, positive tones within Oregon State Twitter. No. I know so I, I I I'm on the side of Oregon State Twitter. I think we should fire everyone, in, in, <laughs> including, including us. all the fans that in, don't in, agree with me, including <laughs> us. Uh, this is the end of the Belligerent Beast podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We're still going to do it without Terry, just like we did the last time. <laughs> Damn it. We'll Damn even it. try to talk I in wanted, his accent. I wanted three <laughs> seconds committed to the bit while Penny. Lights up a joint with a oh, giant go. stick lighter, uh, <laughs> just making me jealous. I wish I was joining you. Uh, I'm f- on my way to Tacoma right now. Uh, <laughs> one joint in Tacoma. Sounds like a country song. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, we got it. We all have beers in our in front of us. Uh, six and three. Uh, let's cheers to being eight and three when we're all in Portland together a couple of weeks from now. How does that sound? Just like we predicted. Hell yeah. Cheers. cheers. Except for Penny. <laughs> Wait, did both of you guys predict that we'd be eight and three going into the Civil War? Yeah, yeah but you predicted we'd be 11 and 0. We should be. But I'm more saying like last, last big, big uh, prediction. It was after the Utah loss and everyone was feeling down and we cheers like, let's be six and two at the bye. And we yep. cheers to that. And that's what happened. So now I'm yep. saying let's be eight and three next time we're all together in person. And then it will happen. We'll take that next step together. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of next steps. Thinking of next steps before before we get more into this football game and on the concept of steps and stepping onto the world stage and stepping on, you know, something like a off vault a curb. off a curb, yeah. a floor, for example. Uh, we have more world championship accolades to celebrate. Jade carries a world champion again, y'all. Yes. Mm. Again, Jade carried. Uh, takes home the vault gold in the vault final at the world gymnastics championships. I got to share uh, this one bit of information from osubeavers.com that just really puts this in perspective for me. But with the performance of Jade getting gold in the vault at this competition, she becomes one of just five, five U.S. women ever to win Olympic and world championships, individual titles, joining the elite company of Shannon Miller, Nasia Lucan, Sean Johnson, and Simone Biles. Damn. Those four and Jade Carey. That's amazing. That's uh, like wild truly amazing. company yeah. to be in. It's because she's incredible. Yeah. Right. She I is. mean, I, I'd put her name up against them as well. I think this just solidifies it in the eyes of people who weren't paying attention. I got a little worried uh, this weekend because I saw our, our homie Amy Sinicola tweet, gymnastics judging doesn't make sense. I Go saw that too. Me. And I was like, I know, show me the blemish. And I was ready to be that demonstrative about it, even though I hadn't watched what had happened that she was reacting to. But I, I agree with Amy no matter what. What <laughs> 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 the issue is, I agree with Amy. That's the next <laughs> shirt. JP, making I agree with Amy shirt ready by the end of the episode. <laughs> Belligerentbeefs.com slash merch. But... For her, uh, for Jade to take home uh, gold in the vault and be you know, like, those are fuck legend shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Biles, Luke and Johnson Miller. Those are like some of the best gymnasts ever. As someone who did not watch any gym at all before Jade Carey, uh, th- uh, those are names that I recognize. And I think that says yeah. a lot. It does say a lot. I mean, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I totally agree. Simone Biles is fairly famous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. To say the least. <laughs> Let's get Simone on the pod. That'd be fucking awesome. Jade has to be a household name now. Yeah. If Simone Biles, I mean, Simone Biles is one of the most decorated athletes for the United States ever, uh, let alone Jim. But Jade Carey will be there at that same echelon at some point. And so if, if you don't know the name and you have not been paying attention, you are missing out. You are totally missing out on one of the most epic careers ever mm-hmm. while it's happening just to one point out she they they won team gold she won vault gold and she won floor bronze so she actually went home from the world championships with the the most highest medal rating so she, way more productive weekend than any of us had yes her exactly. neck probably hurt so bad by the time she got home yes holding yes. three medals echo everything jp said and if this is your first time hearing about her and you're new to uh, uh gymnastics and beaver gym for sure and you want to get excited 
uh, tune in, support the team um, and support her. And also just for uh, your future reference, the name is pronounced Jade Correa. <laughs> And she's a belligerent Beavs right. Hall of Famer. Let's she's always a belligerent Beavs Hall of Famer. Well. One of yeah. the original belligerent Beavs Hall of Famers. Uh, we're very, very proud. Congratulations, Jade. Uh, just keep racking up that hardware. We're gonna have a hard time keeping track of it, as we always do, because uh, we're we're dumb. But <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna try our best to um, um, shine as much light on those uh, accomplishments as possible. So I want to talk too quickly about just before we move on about her perseverance yeah. because the vault was historically like her event and in tokyo it's not a lot of people remember this uh because she really wasn't she was like an alternate she was flown in late after people were bowing out of the olympics and um you know had they were there and they 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 decided to not participate so she kind of flew under the radar she showed up she to do the vault and she tripped she didn't have a, a very good vault by any means and i think that maybe the pressure was just really a lot to to take in um, especially given the circumstances of how she ended up in Tokyo. And right. she took eighth in the event. The next day, she won gold on the floor. And that's why a lot of people probably don't really remember anything prior to that because she burst on the scene, really, with that floor performance. Um, and so for her, and she talked about it on, on Instagram and Twitter, um, if you're not following Jade, uh, Jade at Jade A Carry on Twitter, I think it's just at Jade Carry on Instagram. Uh, give her a follow. But she talked a bit about that and just saying like it uh, was an incredible feeling for her. It means the world um, to get back to have you know a bit of redemption of sorts and, and win gold on the vault. Um, and I think I think that's a really cool uh, testament to her perseverance. I mean, she's already on the top of the world for. For gymnastics and she still has boxes she wants to check that just shows what kind of competitor she is for sure 100 shout out jade yeah uh, on the negative side of oregon state <laughs> athletics there is a football game we need to talk about uh i don't want to i'm not going to enjoy it i'd rather just move on and forget it but hey that's not our it's job therapy. it's therapy we have to talk about it washington 24 Oregon State 21, uh, two Deshaun Fenwick touchdowns and an Easton Mascarenas pick six is uh, the all the points that the Beavs could muster in, on a very blustery night in Seattle. Uh, the first game what as a team ranked by the college football playoff committee uh, feels like a big opportunity lost. Uh, still a, a ways to go. Lots of opportunity this season to to really make this season a a special one but uh drop dropped a heartbreaker 24 21 to the dogs and michael Penix jr um i'm gonna give all each of us sort of a chance to sort of reflect and marinate on it but uh jp i want to sort of hear from from you uh i was watching the game at a bar without audio and benny was at the game itself uh (laughs) i kind of feel like you watching with sound gives has you had probably got the most context uh sort of to to go off on um but yeah so just uh now that we've had a couple days it was a friday night game our first uh friday night game of the season uh so we did get a full day uh to reflect on this without podcasting we're recording this on sunday night november 6th fyi uh, so JP, just the thoughts off of the top of your head on this loss. What are you thinking? First, the screen time that Penix Jr. got and uh, the storytelling that he received from the ESPN crew was nauseating. I mean, it was like <laughs> nonstop obsession with him. And look, the guy's a very skilled quarterback, but like it wasn't like he was playing 
dominantly for three quarters. Um, but yeah, he still got that royal treatment from ESPN, and you could tell maybe these these guys were they prepared a, a like a storyline and a narrative for the game. It didn't go to how they had prepared and they still just leaned into it a bit and it's like can we can we be a little more dynamic please and like actually right. call the game as, as it's unfolding um right so just to be a little nitpicky that was that was very annoying um and then of course having that build up all game and then just have him finally kind of put it all together in the fourth quarter really was... wasn't and i haven't seen this on twitter yet but i've just seen some reactions and i i don't think we need to dunk on the broadcast team for uh, just be like bowing down to Penix the whole night, but weren't weren't they? Wasn't the Penix praise like at its ultimate level right before you threw the pick six? They, yes, they said well, his throw is like butter, and it was—it's like, like a hot knife like, through butter. I, I immediately butter. picked off <laughs> hot yeah. knife through butter right in between the five and five of Easton's jersey. <laughs> I, I was watching the highlights of that, and they're literally still finishing the sentence yes. as he has the ball running towards the end zone. See, and that's what I'm saying. Like they, they just were like, they had a script and they were like, Oh, right. we don't know what else well, to say. So just the, the color, it. the color analyst was Andre Ware, who is a great college football quarterback. So I guess, you know, you love your quarterbacks between Penix and Goldbranson. You're going to probably talk about Penix, whatever, but right. They also should have known like this wasn't a mystery it's not like they showed up to same was like, oh my God, it's windy. Like the forecast, it was like <laughs> the Saturday before everyone yeah. was like, there's no way that there is good weather for this game in Seattle. <laughs> so I don't know. Washington has good edge rushers too. Maybe you focus on the D line of, of both teams. I don't know. Right. Well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go in order here. You've got in the notes, I like, takeaways, concerns, silver linings. And so I think yeah. my biggest takeaways, I'm going to, pro- I'm going to try to keep them positive. And so for sure, first and foremost, I thought that Fenwick looked great. He did. He looked healthy 100%. for the first time. He looked fresh, yeah. He looked a lot like last season. There were times where when he'd carry the ball, and if I wasn't, if I didn't catch which number was running with the ball, I I had just presumed it was yeah. BJ, right. because the running styles were like, I mean, the success of of their carries were almost equivalent. BJ got the the bulk of the of the carries, but like there was very few times where Fenwick looked frail and like couldn't get beyond the line of scrimmage which happened quite frequently a lot to open this season but he looked like the Fenwick of old yesterday uh, I mean I'm surprised he didn't get more touches but then again I'm not because Damian also looked incredible yeah I think he only had one rush for for loss and he I mean he just got swallowed up at the line he also I think slipped a bit and like it happens that people were slipping all over the field in the first half but I think the running game still looked great I don't. I don't think we could take anything away from that. The defense for three quarters looked great, I, and right. I, and whether the wind was a factor or not, like they they played to their strengths, and it it kept us in the lead for all the game except for the you know final eight seconds. So, yeah. uh, or at least not behind. So those two things I think were big for me that. Uh, that we could build on and we can lean on um, that yeah. stuff doesn't go away uh, when it comes to my concerns still on the defensive side, but I don't think it's really on execution, but I do think that uh, I, I was shocked uh, maybe, maybe not as extreme, but just surprised, uh, especially with our, uh, our fourth quarter, third down defense that just seemed to disappear and that really like hasn't been something that I've seen as a red flag thus far this season that 
we just can't get stops on like third and long. I mean, it happens. And I think for every, every program that happens, like, you know, you give people a lot of field, they're going to, and they have to, you know, make a play like a lot. It's a 50, 50 toss up sometimes. And we just kept getting burned over and over again. And I just hope that isn't a trend going forward. That's been exposed by UW now. Like, how do we, how do you get the long plays when you really need them? Um, that we can like a playbook for the remaining, you know, three conference games. So that was a, a bit of concern for me. I think there's going to be a lot of things people talk about on the coaching side, but I'm going to still say that the red zone offense is very concerning. I I don't I didn't have a problem going for it on fourth down that first right. drive uh, or the first fourth down that drive because like look we go up we go up fourteen nothing on the road and I mean that could that could essentially right. be pulling the plug on UW right yep. like that's that could have been just a death blow and I if we didn't get it. Like we're still up, we're still up a touchdown. That uh, normally teams against UW are not up to open games because UW scores on the opening drive for like every single game this so far this year until this until this Friday. So right, I had no problem going for it, but like some of the later play calls just felt whether it was fourth down or not, like they just felt like discombobulated. There was like no continuity to the play calling, um, especially in the red zone. And when we were struggling from so many facets, whether we just couldn't kick the ball because of the winds or throw the ball because of the winds um, or be accurate on even some short throws, something had to be written up, schemed up, and we just weren't doing it. And I think I really do think that it, it just showed that the, that the offense and Lindgren weren't on the same page and the environment. They, none of it was on the same page, and but it's been a trend, and that's why it's still a concern for me. Right going forward my only issue and i agree with you on the the fourth down you know going for it if you're up 14 nothing you're probably going to win uh also if you go to the red zone four times and end up with you know more we'll end up with 14 points as we did you're going to lose uh so it's it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing but i think and benny you can correct me here because the wind of the stadium just on tv it, it looked like it was just a, like a fucking wind tunnel like it was swirling, couldn't figure it out. But I saw some stuff on Twitter about um, kicking, like when you're kicking towards the lake, that's mm-hmm. when the wind is, it's at least more favorable. That's when <clears throat> it was a very short kick, obviously, but that was Washington's game winning field goal. And that was the end that we were going to on that second drive. So I know I'm the guy who always wants to kick and always wants to punt and is the conservative old man of this podcast. But I felt like going towards the lake, it was kicking in the wind was bad, but also we were on like what the five yard line uh, mm-hmm. when Coletto got stopped. Yeah. I, just, I thought that is still a high percentage kick and you make it a two possession game right away and make Washington chase. That was the only time, and I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to feed the shit on Lindgren train because I actually thought he made some great calls later uh, with some questionable ones. Obviously, it was an up and down performance, but that was the one where I'm like, I feel like Hayes would make this kick right here. Right. I I think the big thing with the wind is that uh, it was inconsistent on multiple levels. Number sure. one being like, it seemed like there were moments where it was just super calm and then a huge gust out of nowhere would, would slap the stadium. But it was, it felt like it was coming from all directions too. Like there was wind that was blowing in my face. There was wind that was blowing at my back. So I, I don't know. I mean, like it was Hayes's first game back in a really long time. I don't know if yeah. you want to put him in that position, but 
Um, yeah, that, that end of the stadium right. is a little bit calmer than the one that's open. The reason sure. I wanted him to kick was because you can kind of even test the wind a little bit there. And it's like, you miss a field goal in the first quarter. It's not backbreaking. Uh, so I got to the stadium like an hour and a half early. And when they were kicking like pregame and warmups, dude, the, yeah. the balls were going all over the place, like right. into the stands, uh, like out the sideline, not right. out the back of the end zone. It's, it was it's crazy. A, it's so, this is such an easy thing to second guess. So like, I don't like, I don't have an issue with it. It was just, it was frustrating that the two times we made that decision, it was, yeah, and I know the play before Coletto slipped uh, and missed a block. He makes a hundred percent of the time any yep. other time. And then the one, uh, I believe it was in the second quarter uh, when Go Branson just sort of uh, sky sky mauled the ball over Martinez. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it's the red red zone play calling. It it didn't work. So obviously, I think that's the biggest concern for everyone. Uh, but yeah, it's it, w- it was also a night where you can't you don't have the same confidence in the kicking game. So you're you are one, more one dimensional. And from UW standpoint, they're probably like, oh, I, I'm guessing they're going to do this, and you guess right as a defense, and you can you can make it look like a pretty silly play call. Can 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 I just? To the people that are really on the like, legitimately on the fire Lindgren train right now. Do we do we want um, to dive into the fire Lindgren? Uh, I I just I just want to make uh, you you brought two things up that I just want to make sure that people understand is number one, um, the it was third and two when uh, when Coletto slipped, and if Coletto doesn't slip, he picks up the block that hits Martinez in the backfield. I think Martinez has a first down, then it's first and goal from the two yard line. Right. And I think with Coletto, there's right. a fairly strong chance we, we punched that in. Um, and so the play call there, I think you can argue is right. Um, Lindgren put them in the position to get the first down. It was the execution that, that faulted. Same thing with uh, the, the sky mail ball to Martinez. He was yeah. open. He was open and goal Branson just didn't execute. So you, you can't blame Lindgren for these things. Lindgren's calls should have had us up 21-0. Right. Yeah. Point blank. And also, don't forget, too, there was the play. What was it? Was it after? It was in between the two fourth down attempts, but uh, if I'm recalling correctly. But it was the Martinez uh, blown dead play that uh, he had a wide open hole and was headed for the end zone, to be honest. They didn't call that dead until he had gone through the linebackers. Like, yeah, exactly. It was the safety in him. Yep. And I don't know if you guys saw this with from Dashel. Um, he, he they talked to Jonathan Smith about that, and it was the Pac twelve refs were on full display on national TV on Friday, just like dumb stuff, right? Like yeah. everyone gave them crap about saying it was the end of the first half after the first quarter was over. Um, there was other things like saying penalties on people who like numbers that didn't exist on the Oregon state roster, maybe but at least on the field. Uh, but that, that, that one blown dead play looked amazing and was executed yeah. amazing and would have definitely resulted in six for six. Uh, but they talked to Jonathan Smith about it afterwards and supposedly it was blown dead by uh, the sideline official behind Jonathan Smith. So Jonathan Smith was going to call timeout. He was thinking about it. So he ran down to the referee just in case. But the ball was snapped before he even got there. And so he didn't even actually call timeout. But the but the sideline official behind him just assumed that's what he was doing and called it for him. Um, so no timeout was called, which they rightfully said. 
But then, like, the results of the play, like, didn't matter because of the Pac-12 officials uh, being a little right. too whistle-happy. I mean, if you think about it, so, like, that the, – the weather conditions and the way Washington runs their offense – was not going to ever end up in Washington being able to score a lot of points in a short amount of time. And so at any point, if you go up 21-0 and your offense is a grinded out run at offense and their offense is a a throw and we have the best secondary in the Pac-12, that game's over. 21-0, there's no way Washington's coming back. You cannot convince me that Washington's coming back from 21-0 in those conditions. And we had so many opportunities to get there. And the fact that one of the most golden ones was fucked up by the refs, I mean, that would have put us up 14-0. But still, like, it's just like, you can't, I get it, Pac-12 officiating, ha-ha, it's funny because they're so bad. But, like, you, that is inexcusable. And that ref should not be allowed to ref a game for the rest of the year. Yep. One thing I want to point out for my silver lining is, is really this, and it's, uh, outside of the Utah game, which was just a total disaster, the USC and UW losses are by far the most frustrating, heartbreaking as a fan, especially. And I can only imagine the players and coaches feel even more uh, immensely mm-hmm. upset about the results. But you have to take that away and say, USC is one of the top programs in the country. Yes, we had them at home. Historically, we've performed fairly well against them at home in recent years. And... We did what we were supposed to do almost to the fullest extent to win that game, but we lost it at the last you know, few seconds. Mm-hmm. We go on the road against UW, who is essentially ranked now, right? Like they're going to be. Yeah. And and they, sh- right. they should have been ranked in this game. They should have been ranked like, before. They've we're been on the road. Disrespected. They've had one bad game all year. Yeah. Yep. We're on the road against, they're probably one of the top offenses in the Pac 12. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was a tough game also. And we led the whole game until the final few seconds or, I mean, until it was tied, like, 11 minutes left. But then we, were, we weren't we were down until there's eight seconds to go. And right. to me, that is a silver lining. And I don't want to mm-hmm. say, like, we're like, oh, you know, hey, we fought hard. Good on us. We're like, accepting mediocrity, JP. <laughs> no, I'm not because, like, I, I feel like <laughs> – I would rather it be this way than be blown out because this is progress for our program. Of course, yeah. This is progress yeah. for our program. And these are, these are not gimme games. And like no. from the beginning of the season, and we talked about this early in the episode, both Terry and I predicted that we would be right here, right here going into the Cal game. We'd be six and three. Mm-hmm. And no one would have said, yo, fuck that. If right. we said that to them before right. you know, the first game against Boise State, you know, it's different. Different path, same result. We're six and three. This program right. is still building. I think it's glaring that we need to establish a real, like, stronghold quarterback that sticks, that's here for years, develops through this system, and gets better every year, uh, and has those opportunities to you know make right. the have the growing pains, make the mistakes, but also can lead the team uh, and has that ability. And I think Aiden Childs can do that. I'm not trying to just put it all on him. And I'm right, not saying yeah, that. Like, no, the I, I know what you're saying. Do it. But look, we get, we get that guy, and it's a whole different story right now. It right. is a completely different story. And, and, well, and this was something I was trying to sort of – the point I was trying to make in the piece I wrote for the dive this week, and I, I got it up too late just because shit got away from me this week. But us being 6-2 and two at Washington, also 6-2, and two, like a game with Washington, a regional rival on the road in Seattle, that game that took place on Friday with the stakes as high as they were for both teams – 
isn't really a game that's taken place ever. And whether the stakes or the pressure was there from the fan base or external media, whatever, that is probably the biggest game Smith has coached in for Oregon State as head coach. So yeah. like, I'm frustrated. Like, yeah, I'm fucking furious when that delay of game happens as we make fun of me for being the one. Who, of course, I'm the one who's more mad about that. But of course, everyone was mad about that. But also yeah. like, this was, and I, I don't want to be like, I, I, I want to be conscious of the accepting mediocrity thing, even though that's ridiculous. Um, But like, because the, the chance to win this game was there and I put it more on the coaches and the players. Like we just didn't seize enough opportunities as you were mentioning, Benny, to win it. But it's also like this game with this level of stakes hasn't happened in a really long time. And it's the first time it's happened for Smith in in, in this case with mm-hmm. the, the team that won the game has an outside shot of winning the conference and Washington ended up getting it. Uh, but that's what was at stake on Friday night. Well, I really like I, I hate to play, you know, what ifs. But um, I mean, if we're being honest here, like Chance Nolan was not looking very good before he got hurt and Ben Goldbranson it was in conditions but he didn't look very good uh either they're you know both struggle for their own reasons um but like Goldbranson had to hit some of the ones that he just flat out missed right and so um the way that Chance played against USC too it's like if if we had even um like a middle of the road quarterback in the Pac-12 it feels like we could be eight and one right now right and that's, I think, the really frustrating part is like at, at 21 positions. gymnastics with that. I know. Yeah. Right. But it's like at 21 positions, we're really good. And that one position, is, it is really frustrating to see it struggle so much because um, I think that's, that's what happened to our offense. It wasn't that our offense you know, uh, got worse or that the, the play calls got worse. It's that uh, we're, we were so one-dimensional. And I think once – Gold Branson showed that off a little bit on some of his passes that right. were like really bad. Then Washington's like, Oh, we can just play super aggressive. Right. We, we, I, yeah. I think any neutral observer would come to the conclusion that, Oh, this is a, this was a close game between two good teams in 40 plus mile an hour wins. Mm-hmm. And the team with the more experienced quarterback yeah. made plays at the end and came away with the victory. Right. I do want to segue into uh, you can call this a faint praise for Lindgren, whatever, uh, with the, the Lindgren naysayers or the people calling for his head. Uh, I was impressed with them. Just real quick, the Fenwick second touchdown when it was Coletto and the shotgun with Fenwick to his left. And then yeah. they they both they just uh, <clears throat> sidestepped and the direct snap went to Fenwick with Coletto lead block. Awesome fucking play. Yeah. And yep. Fen- Fenwick looked great. That's, you know, the type of play call that you you want to see going into this game. And we didn't have a, an episode during the bye week. So we hadn't talked about this, but I started this like I randomly thought I was like, we never try to get our running backs involved in the passing game. And I've never really, the part of it, I think, has to be with uh, Trey Lowe being out because Trey Lowe is that great receiver out of the backfield. But I hadn't even seen it much. And yeah. in this game, there was the the fourth down miss to, to Damian. Uh, there was another miss that Gil Branson had. And I, I don't want it to seem like we're piling on, on Gil Branson. Uh, this was a much harder throw. There was a, 
Yeah. Griffin Griffin goes on a wheel route and is like 30 yards downfield and he beat his man and he's open and the ball just ends up being like six yards overthrown. And I'm sure the wind just carried it. Uh, but so I think there was elements of this game where Lindgren was like, let's get Damien and jam. And a fit Fenwick might have great hands. I don't know. I don't think I've seen us throw to him before, right? <laughs> um, but uh, jam certainly profiles as a running back who would be good out, out of the backfield. And I know Damien is young and you want to be careful with how much you give a true freshman, even one as massively talented as Damien uh, to, to handle in their, in their first year. But I think Lindgren was like, let's get these guys involved in the passing game. And especially with a young quarterback, a backup quarterback coming in because uh, your, you know, starter out of camp is out with an injury. I feel like, you know, you get those like check down, uh, you know, or just even designed dump offs is, is a good way to build rhythm. And I think the intention was there for that game for, for this last game, mm-hmm. but we just weren't able to get in the rhythm. And yeah, I mean the, the throw to jam, it was early. I think it was in the third quarter, but man, it was, it was close. <laughs> and I, I feel like I, I, I would, I can't wait to see if uh, this is something that Lindgren tries to work in the offense in more, ho- hopefully more adaptable conditions when we host right. Cal next week. Right. Yeah. It's, it was interesting because uh, Washington's second, Secondary, uh, I don't think that they're the worst in the Pac-12, but they're, they're certainly not great. down there, right? With yeah, respect, they're, not, they're not great. Yeah, they're not. They're not very good. And and our receivers did have. I mean, our receivers burned them on a number of routes. The Griffin one, and then was it Lindsey or or Harrison? Where it was like the big lame duck throw, right? The one that was just super that was wobbly. A, uh, Gould. That was Gould. That one was yeah. Gould. Was it Gould? Yeah, that, yeah. Oh, so he for sure would have been gone. But, yeah. um, but that, that ball yeah. got just swatted by the wind. Oh, 100%. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But what I'm saying is like our our receivers, I mean, they were absolutely tearing up their secondary. So that I think in itself is a good sign too. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they won that matchup completely. Right. And it was, but, and that same, a lot of people were, the reason I had that thought was because I saw so many people on Twitter being like, where are the quick passes to the tight ends? Like, yeah. where are the quick passes to, to Velling and Overman? Which <laughs> I, you know, the Vel- the Velling Overman fan club, I believe, started with me. And <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to keep carrying that flag. But um, I, I'd rather see if you, if I have my choice between Velling, Overman, <laughs> Griffin, Martinez, to have the ball in their hands with a head of steam about, you know, two yards up from the line of scrimmage, I'm going to pick Griffin and Martinez. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so I just thought it was interesting that uh, to get uh, Galbranson in a rhythm, even in the previous games that the play call p- passing uh, plays to the running backs just hasn't really been in it. And uh, I haven't heard much on Trello's status. Uh, I'm at, at this point, I'm not really expecting uh <laughs> Get good news. I, I hope for good news, and I. Well, hope I think in the broadcast they they said he was active. Close. Oh, he was active. Oh, really? I don't. I didn't see that any reported anywhere before then. But they they mentioned that on ESPN. Which take that hmm. how you like. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't did, know. They, did they say his running was like a hot knife through butter before he just didn't play in the <laughs> game at all? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I don't, I don't have much else to offer uh, in the way we played on on Friday, other than just I'm fucking sad because it was yeah. there. Well, the team's close. That's the team's that's so what makes close. It sad. And, that, and Dad Dashiell wrote this in his piece today, and it's like it's so much better to be here where this is what we're reacting to. And we're so sad that we're not seven and two 
uh, and moving up rankings and and really get it like letting those sugar plums dance in our head. Uh, I saw fucking Christmas decorations going up today. So that's the <laughs> the comparisons are are, are, are popping. The, it's holiday season, I guess. Uh, it shouldn't be. It's way too early. But like our imaginations are running wild in a way that they haven't. And five years ago, this was impossible. That doesn't mean you're accepting mediocrity to not want to fire all of the coaches after losing by three points at Washington. Um, but it, it's it's cool to be pissed and it's cool to be sad. And I was I was a good amount of both uh, Friday and Saturday and even today and right now. I'm still fucking sad. Well, it was weird having the Friday game, to be honest, because yeah. I th- I, when I went to bed that night, I was like, well, I'll go watch some NFL tomorrow. <laughs> and then I woke right, up Saturday yeah. like, what day is it? I was so confused. When I got it out of my head, it wasn't actually like it was a nice little Saturday. I kind of just watched uh, college football all day without a rooting interest. I couldn't even bring myself to watch college football on Saturday. <laughs> I just got I shit done around the house. The the Bama LSU game was fantastic. You should you should have watched it. <laughs> so here's here's what my silver lining is. And, and it's similar to what you just said, Terry. But I do think. Every single year under Jonathan Smith, and we've said it a bunch, but it, we, we can't say it enough, that Jonathan Smith was dealt probably the worst program it, that the Pac-12 has seen in the last 20 years. Sure. 15 <laughs> years, uh, right? Like the state of where Oregon – yeah, well, yeah, maybe. Like the state of where Oregon State was at was pretty abysmal. And they've gotten better every single year. And last year was a huge step, bowl eligibility – and I think everyone was pretty happy with with where he was able to get them in that short amount of time. And and this year, like we're significantly better than we were last year. And we're getting to the point right now where we can say things like, oh, we're a position away from being a, a, for sure a legitimate contender in the conference. Right. I mean, for sure, like if we had we're one position away from being a team that. Um, you could put uh, reasonable expectations on making the Pac-12 championship game. Um, and that's crazy. I mean, that is that is unbelievable that he's been able to do that in the short amount of time that he has. And I'm not going to believe that anything is going to change in us getting better year after year until it happens. Um, I think, uh, you know, Aiden Childs coming in next year, that is spicy and interesting. And I'm very excited about it. But perfect, who knows? perfect word choice for that. <laughs> but I, I do think that it's important to take pause and take a step back and look at the situation we're in. Yeah, we were the better team against Washington. And and even more than that, our sort of bugaboo in the last five years and really in the last like 15 years has been road games. And we played really well in a road, road. game in, in a hostile environment. And so like, yeah, it's it did suck, but but we are in a really right. good spot right now. Right. We really and are. We'll know that we take that next step too if what we cheers to at the top of the episode comes to fruition and we're eight and three when we're all together in Portland yeah. Thanksgiving week because we we have gotten road wins this year. We we have taken care of business. We we didn't get to the brink of bowl eligibility and then lose three games that we should have won. So if there is a, you know, if Smith takes care of business, we're almost certainly going to be favored uh, at We're for sure going to be favored at home against Cal next week. And we should and be favored against, we're already at 13 and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should be favored against the Sun Devils in the desert, even though weird shit happens in the desert. And mm-hmm. you go eight and three, 
that's the, the better than you could have hoped for five years ago. And I don't even want to keep bringing it back to five years ago, but, and, and I wrote this this week too, was we were thinking about this game and the stakes. And it was almost five years to the day when he who must not be named, but I'll say his fucking name, Gary Anderson, walked out the door with the yeah. program in shambles and said it doesn't matter who they hire. So yeah, I just ruined everything. To, <laughs> I just want us to keep the perspective. No one's fixing my mistake. That doesn't mean loser mentality. <laughs> it doesn't mean accepting mediocrity. We can be pissed. Smith made mistakes in this game, and he'd probably be the first one to tell you that. Uh but, you know, it's just a thing that happens. Um, and I want to shout out uh, a few more groups and positions that played well. I think a lot of us were really worried about the offensive line losing Marco Brewer for the season, which is a significant loss. But I thought yeah. the whole unit was great. I couldn't tell. It seemed like they moved guys around a little bit. Um, uh, Marco's a, a fantastic player, but I knew uh, it's I, that Henley Bloomfield was going to be the first man stepping in and taking some of his snaps. And he's been He's, he's played a lot of football for this team. Uh, I thought they were great. Uh, we didn't sack Penix, but I thought our pressure was pretty good. I think Riley Sharp yeah. played a great game. I think James Rawls played a really great game. Uh, he got hurt late, but it looked to be, looked to be okay. Uh, so I, I hope he is. Um, I, I hope over as we hear, hear reports on practice this week, I hope that it's a, a pretty clean bill of health. Obviously, Easton Mascarenas Arnold with the pick six. Had a great game, uh, but I thought he was great away from that as well. And Omar Spate seemed to be everywhere. So it was it was a great showing from the defense and the secondary. I, I'm ready to say it's the best secondary in the nation. And just to go into sort of my last concern, JP spoke to this a little bit. It kind of felt like we were playing prevent when we let Washington march down the field late. Yeah. And I don't know what those calls were. I'm not smart enough to just look at the way we line up and know exactly what we're doing. But it looked like we had sort of called off the aggressiveness, whatever. Losher had some great punts. <laughs> and we shouted out Losher. Uh, on uh, on the Twitter as well. Punters are people too. But it seemed like we're like, oh, they're not going to march 95 yards. But then they did. And yeah. it, it seemed like we didn't have sort of that kind of swagger. And the refs were, the refs were weird. I'm not blaming the refs. It was just, it was a crew that seemed like <laughs> called a couple phantom whistles. And anytime there was a penalty, it seemed like they talked about it for three and a half minutes. <laughs> so I don't, and I think it's when both sides too, like Washington had some big, big flags that helped us as well. So I'm not blaming the refs for this loss. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it is did frustrating sort of, though to watch a game and have it be. Yeah. because they, I, I would say the refs, so much by the, the refs. refs fucked up the rhythm yeah and at times that affected both teams but it they also didn't seem like they were throwing flags for pi every other player or whatever so it felt like you know i they did let them play a little bit i'd rather have right and austin guys who have you know gotten a lot of pis called on them in their day like i'd rather them sort of push that envelope and be handsier than maybe you think you need to and and see what you can get away with in games and uh you know just just try and uh be be physical and make those plays but it just kind of seemed like Bray or or Smith it could have been the call it seemed like we were just sitting back in prevent and hoping that they weren't going to drive 95 yards and win the game because we aren't a defense that usually allows that but that's what ended up happening so right before we move on I have, I have one more silver lining that I was thinking about tonight and I want to see what you guys think but uh, hit me with it did either of you watch um, 
Sunday night football tonight. Uh, I tonight. yeah I, yeah yep. It, well, until we started uh, potting, yeah. I was yeah. watching it. Yeah. Every time I watched Derrick Henry run, I thought I've seen this guy run recently, and I and I it, it finally hit me after one of the runs where he fell forward after like for just like seven yards, but he made it look so easy. And there's a lot of do it say Derek it Derrick Henry and Damian Martinez. <laughs> I love it. I can see it. I love it. And yep. it's and, and it's not it's not just the hair. Or like the you know the size, but the way that they they run so easily for how how much they could bruise a defender when uh, and and truck through them and, and fight for those extra yards and then not just fight for those extra yards as they're going down, but fight for those extra yards when a play looks like it's getting swallowed up. And I and I just wanted to say, Damian played an incredible game. I think given the circumstances where they were loading the box, they knew we weren't going to throw because we couldn't throw whether it was the personnel or the, or the environment. Uh, he still, there was that one play. I, I'm sure you guys caught it, but there was a one play where it looked like he was going to get, he's dead in the water, like a yard behind the line of scrimmage. And somehow he like, he the lowered first, right? his body to the point where like he he was like almost parallel to the ground and squeezed past the defense and just popped buck up out of nowhere and kept running. So I I just want to say like I was he's so amazing. impressed with that he's amazing. I can't wait to see him get more touches. But also when I was trying to I I've never really thought about NFL comps. We've talked about like Steven Jackson because that's like a really easy one I think as a as a Beaver fan. Right. But when you're thinking about like current NFL players. There aren't a ton of bruising backs like that. And Derrick Henry, just like watching him tonight, it felt like I was watching some replays from So there you have it, Beaver fam. J.P. Bertram officially comparing Damian Martinez to the multiple-time NFL rushing champ and 2015 Heisman winner Derrick Henry. So does Damian win the Heisman in 2023 or 2024? Both. I love it. (laughs) This is why I pod with you. When I was on the light rail back home, um, I was uh, next to this Washington fan. This Washington fan was, um, so he's talking shit the whole way down the line and until we got onto the actual um, train. And when we got onto the train, uh, he, he did acknowledge, number one, that Oregon State was the better team, but he could not stop talking about number six right he was talking about damien and just he kept, he was like he was a beast i've never number seen a back like that fucking good I, the guy who at oregon state Washington the guy <laughs> the, the the guy who i was sitting next to he uh he was like oh yeah number six he's he's really good man he uh he's what junior senior and i was like no man true, true freshman, freshman. Yeah. and his jaw just about hit the ground like he i mean we see him um week in week out and i think we're we're still very, very impressed, but like to see a fan base that has not really even heard right. of him. Um, yeah. He, he d- certainly was uh, turning eyes at uh, up in Seattle. Right. I, I was, I was messing with the football gods a little bit. I was uh, watching the game here in Minneapolis at the bar with, with a handful of friends, but uh, two specific friends, Baba Ganoush and my man, KT, both university of Washington alums, proud <laughs> university of Washington alums. And every single time Damien did anything, I'd yell, belligerent beefs athlete, Damien <laughs> Martinez. And they were, you know, at the maybe the first time they were like, okay, that's cute. Your little podcast has a partnership. Uh, and then as Damien kept cooking, it was like, all right, you need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> 
We don't want to tell everyone that uh, you heard it here first, but I mean, kind of did. He was the only recruit that we sought out to bring to our uh, our birthday party or holiday party, whatever that was. I think it was our holiday party. It was back in December. It was he our holiday party. It. Yeah, and there, I think there were a couple of the recruits there, but Damien got on the mic on that Twitter Spaces and just said, "Happy to be here. One of the <laughs> yeah. best days of my life, and uh, it's been it's been a great partnership ever since." Uh, I think that closes the door on football pretty well. Yeah. Uh, we do need to talk about uh, this this Saturday. So let's do uh, let's do some uh, predictions real quick, and then we'll talk a little basketball and soccer. We've got Cal, the Golden Bears, uh, fresh off a, uh, uh, I'd say, actually a pretty uh, solid performance of, of their own uh, this weekend. And they actually played Washington pretty good the week before. So I uh, don't think we can take this shit for granted. But at the end of the day, I do think the Beavs cover the 13 and a half that uh, Benny brought up earlier. My official prediction is Oregon State 34 and Cal 16. Uh, that game will be uh, 6 p.m. Pacific time on Pac-12 Network, I believe. Yes, yes. Saw a couple conflicting times, but I believe Double, 6 p.m. Yes. Pacific time. Pac-12 yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right, so I got 34-16. JP, how about you? So, I, again, I like to look back at my notes. And some for whatever reason, these still feel very um, stupid bear. <laughs> Golden <laughs> grams are overrated. <laughs> but, I, but I said back in the friendly confines of Research Stadium, which probably would feel that way for the team and maybe the fans who visited on the road, uh, everything clicks for the Beavs offensively uh, was what I had predicted. And then I said a very complete game from Nolan, along with a balanced distribution we'll for the receiving core. I said Damian Martinez has two touchdowns, and the Bees win the first official full wee of the season. And I'm going to stick with this oh. 42-14. Oh, I'd love, wow. I'd, I'd love a full wee hedge. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's what we need. Yeah. It is what it we is need. You can, get, you, I, you can get those at massage parlors in Thailand. You just go in and ask for the full wee hedge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 42-14. They'll know what you mean. Um, I We do not see, officially endorse that. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Anyway. What do you think a full wee hage is? Yeah, it's a forty-two fourteen. It's a it great is, it's massage. A, it's a forty. Is okay. This. Uh, <laughs> I this may be a first, guys. We interrupt this program because the belligerent beeves has been canceled. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm worried. What is the first? You're gonna say we we're gonna lose. The don't first. I, no, I don't think we're gonna lose. I think it's gonna be. <laughs> I'm gonna say 20, 28, 28, 24. Oh, I think it's close. I think so you're it's just, a close yeah. fucking game. Dude, Cal's look good the last couple of weeks. They yeah. almost beat USC. I mean, not really, um. but like kind of. <laughs> they were they were much closer than what people thought. They, and they, they looked like a college football team that definitely exists when they played yeah. USC last week. And and the week before, or I guess two weeks it was, before. It was the week, they looked, week before against Washington. They, yeah, they looked, yeah. yeah. Well, it wasn't the week before because Washington had a bye last week, but. Yeah, the two, two, yeah, whatever. Yeah, so I think that Cal's good. I think, uh, it's, uh, but I do think that we'll be prepared for it. We're gonna come pissed off, um, and I, I would be shocked if we don't come away with the win and go down to Phoenix at uh, seven and three for sure. You heard it here: three wins, shocking positive predictions from the Babes. Uh, but before Oregon State football plays Cal, we've got some basketball happening, y'all. We are recording this on Sunday, November 6th, the evening of Sunday, November 6th, late in the evening. 
Uh, so tomorrow night or today or yesterday, whenever you're listening to this, a double header at legendary Gill Coliseum, uh, Oregon State women's basketball opens against Hawaii uh, at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time. And the men play Tulsa at 9 p.m. Pacific time. Going to be going to be a late one, uh, but. <laughs> uh, men's games on Pac-12 Network or Pac-12 Oregon, uh, Oregon State. OSCBeavers.com is doing an official live stream for the women's game. If you are around, you're probably listening to this afterwards. So I don't know if I should say get to Gill, Phil Gill, start a frenzy at Gill Coliseum. Uh, go to the next fucking games, whatever. But I'm expecting two wins for our beloved basketball teams. But real quick, I feel like we, we got to talk a little bit of hoops uh, since we're recording this on the eve of college basketball officially starting. Um, and we got two games coming up. Uh, I am really excited for a lot of reasons. But uh, JP, get, give me one thing you're looking forward to uh, for, for both teams uh this year am i just talking uh players you're talking your players play on player uh to any anything you're interested in for uh for men's and women's basketball so for the women's hoops since they are tipping off first i'll start there but we should keep close eyes on the recruiting class that uh, scott ruick has brought in so tamir garner of course reagan beers great name uh both of Mm -hmm. them were like top 10 in the country and he, you know, he ran out the class with a bunch of other really, really great players as well. So in transfers, and I think them uh, joining a team that is now you know full of some pretty great veterans, and actually, Van Olhoven, of course, leads that leads that group, even though she's still fairly young in uh, basketball sense, especially. Um, they 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 can be very, very interesting, and I think everyone talks like about the men's team being like a wild card. No one's expecting a lot out of them, but they're a young team, and young young players have a lot of fight. They, they feel like they've got a lot to prove, and I think the coaching staff feels that way too. But I do think even more so, you can get the combination of the veteran presence yeah. and a very highly touted recruiting class. That uh, that's the most fun to watch. So keep an eye on the freshmen uh, for the women's team. I'm I'm really excited to watch an Oregon State women's basketball team that is like unquestionably Talia Von Olhoffen's team. Yes. Cuz for sure. She's she's been sort of like the biggest scoring threat I feel like the last couple of years, but and last year there was a lot of injuries. It was are, are we a uh, pounded into the post with with Taylor and Kennedy and uh, I know there's there's injuries there, but now both Taylor Jones and Kennedy Brown are gone, and there there's a lot of talent on this team. But like Talia, Talia is the leader and is I you know the most talented player, and we're gonna go as far as uh, Talia Von Olafen can can carry us. And I I think I'm really excited to see how she handles it with uh you know going in with a postseason and being like like it's your show, <laughs> it's it's your show, and. Um, she's a very dynamic player, uh, you know, can, can score at will. And I'm really excited to see what she brings this year. Yep. Yep. I I think, uh, for really for both teams, uh, I'm just looking forward to a fresh start. I think if you go Mm -hmm. back and listen to what we were saying at the end of basketball season last year, like we were sort of ready for, uh, and I, and I think the teams were sort of ready for the season to be over. Right. Um, it didn't, I, I think more so with the men's team than with the women's team, but it didn't really feel like everyone necessarily wanted to be there. And so, um, a young team that, like you said, JP, they're going to be hungry. 
Um, but they, uh, they're, they're also, uh, you would hope, uh, want to all be there. And I think that is going to be exciting. If, if that's what we see, um, a young, scrappy, hungry team that is playing team basketball against Tulsa, uh, I'll be really excited. Um, I think the combination, like you guys both said, with, with the women's team of veterans um, and really highly touted uh, freshmen that are coming in, that's going to be an interesting mix. Uh, and it will be, it'll be especially interesting to see how, uh, Ruick is able to, you know, sort of mesh that all together for sure. On the men's side, I'm really excited about Casey Abekwe, freshman big who we got. It's I've been listening to the Payton years podcast and I encourage everyone to go listen to the Payton years. I, I feel an episode. they dropped a new episode today. I haven't listened to that one yet. Uh, but they're, they're bullish on other guys too, like Jordan Pope, who I'm really excited about. And I'm In not, area. I don't think it's going to be like, a, oh, like it was three and 28 last year, but the year before it was elite eight. We're going to be closer to the elite eight than three and 28, right? Like that's not <laughs> yeah. really what I'm expecting, but like, Casey, a Beckway definitely feels like a player that we kind of lucked out in getting for a team that's coming off a three and 28 season. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do, uh, especially with uh, Chol uh, being healthy for yes. the first time. That's my and if and if Andela if Andela's back healthy too, then we'll, we're still a young ass team with a lot of questions. But like we'll have size to really you know uh, put push around other teams and really be aggressive and hungry on the boards and you know not not let ourselves get uh, our, ourselves get sized out of any games and i feel like that's worth at least you know 8 to 12 points in in most college basketball games so i feel like there's going to be a lot more close games this year and just by virtue of the way luck works in sports more of those games are going to go our way than they did last year when none just of stay them. healthy yeah, right. so if they stay, stay healthy, and they're, they're already not healthy with uh, Christian Wright and Justin Rochland. Yeah, um, which is but those guys concern, haven't, but... yeah, haven't really. I mean, they transferred in. They, right. they it wasn't like they were a, a core part. We, we've of... we've known we've known for a while. Yeah, like so. Um, but yeah, there's there's just dudes, and it seems like for like the Italy trip was uh, good to to see from from those who were on the inside and and talked about just sort of the team building that happened just getting to see them on the court. And also they had uh, a scrimmage with Lewis and Clark, I believe. Right. And we won by like, like 2000 points. And, <laughs> and, and last year they played like Reed or Western. They played somebody and they won by two. <laughs> and That's right. We may have even talked about this podcast. And it was like, well, I'm not worried. It's an exhibition, uh, but now it's an exhibition and we won by what? 67 fucking points. And I'm excited as how exhibitions mean everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> who so was it? Who, who was it last year? The, uh, that we almost lost an exhibition to, Oh man, it was, uh, it was it, some team out of Salem. It was like Concordia or something. Was it Concordia? It might no, have been Concordia. no, it was. Oh. Um, it was Concordia. Was it Willamette? I don't think it was Willamette. No. Oh, they, they, damn it! They don't have the exhibitions on last year. It starts with Portland. We remember when we beat Portland State seventy-three to sixty-four. And that game was on, a little on scary. November 9th, It was a little scary. <laughs> yeah, we're like, oh, thank God. The thank God we game, don't have to feel that again. The next game, super secret uh, producer Skinder was out here in Minneapolis with me. We drove down to Ames for that game <laughs> at Iowa State. We shot like 20% from the field, lost 60 to 50. 
Uh, Iowa State basketball fans are fucking awesome. Uh, by the way, I know I talked about it on the episode that week, but they it was like if we lose sixty to fifty in that kind of atmosphere without hitting a, like a fucking shot from the field, we're gonna be okay. Your yeah. listener, we were not okay. <laughs> it did not get better <laughs> after that. That was game one of I believe a ten game losing streak. Uh, um, but yeah, which was not think, our biggest losing streak of the year. Not our biggest losing streak <laughs> of the year. I can probably find who we lost to. I know Sam uh, mentioned it in the Discord. Um, but I don't think it totally matters. Um, it doesn't matter. It's a new year. New team. It doesn't matter. It's a whole, it's a new whole year. Team. I want to watch Glenn Taylor Jr.'s evolution. That's what I'm excited for. I think that's the, that's the one thing that uh, isn't just exciting because it could lend to our successes this year, but it could be a bigger picture thing to keep an eye on is a guy in his second year in the program under Coach Tinkle and, like, how how does he evolve? Like, what? What elements of his game improve? I mean, he's what one of two or three guys returning that, that played last year, and he's a sophomore, and I, and he was probably the most skilled player on the court the majority of the year. So, watching what he does uh, could could show us what the development of a lot of these freshmen uh, could could mean for the program pretty quickly, mm-hmm. actually. True. We I did not get the name of last year's exhibition opponent, but I did get the information that this year Louisville lost their exhibition game to Lenore Rhine by a score of 57-47. Louisville has won the national championship before. So by process of elimination, I believe we will be celebrating two national championships (laughs) in women's and men's basketball this season for for Oregon State University, (laughs) the Harvard of the Pac-12. Plan the parade in the Pacific of uh, the Paris of the Pacific Northwest, baby. Um, Up by five. Up by five. Yeah. The whole whole route. (laughs) The whole the whole goddamn thing. (laughs) Don't even give a shit Um, that. Yeah. So basketball yesterday is probably (laughs) when when you're listening to this at the earliest. Uh, Yeah. Go bees, chop them. Uh, And also I'd hate to end on a bummer, but we, this just came across the group text. Fuck JP. Yeah. Oregon state softball. Kiki Escobar out for the season. Yeah. Not what, happened? what I wanted to fucking hear tonight. I know not. I haven't been able to find anything. I actually think I saw this sometime yesterday, but it was, it was from her account talking about like, she's going to miss being out there. And so for a second, I thought, is she transferring? Right. And I was like, Oh no. But in a way, this is a lot worse because I'd still be a Kiki fan, even if she did transfer somewhere else. And this just means she can't play. And the the other Instagram stories and Twitter posts, et cetera, started flooding in today about you know missing her out on on the diamond out in the field, and uh, that's a it's a that's a big blow to. Laura Berg's team. But a specific injury and timeline hasn't been specified in any of these. I tried to look back and see like what it could have been, and you know they 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 had their uh, they had their fall games, they mm-hmm. had a couple practices and warm ups and whatnot, but nothing was like you know in too intense, and so and I never saw anything about her leaving the game, though it probably would have happened inconspicuously given like if she right. left the game at a fall exhibition, they would have just assumed they you know she got her at bat or got a couple chances in the field, and now she's out. So nothing's been like widely reported that I have seen, but she has declared herself. Uh, she said, "See you in 2024." So uh, mm, that sucks. Yeah. All right. Well, wishing you a healthy and speedy 
recovery kiki yes. and yeah and we'll yeah we'll see you in 2024 and bummer but hey hashtag minor setback major comeback etc uh yeah that fucking sucks. That ruined yeah. my Sunday night, JP. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I have I have I have nothing to offer the Beaver fam now to end this episode on a positive. Well, nothing. <laughs> Kidding. Give your uh, best. That's that sucks. That Laura Berg's team will you know elevate and bounce back from that. I have no doubt. Uh, you know, yeah. Before you know it, baseball and softball will be in action. So. Really excited right for that. Right around the corner. But yo, I'm just saying this right now. This is You can say it, jinxing, whatever. Just because of how big of a pain in the ass it was last year when just like during the tournament, I was trying to get tickets. I'm just buying College World Series tickets and <laughs> accommodate <laughs> in Omaha. No, I'm, I'm not saying in Omaha. I'm staying at the, in the casino in Council Bluffs, Iowa, across the river because they have like a brand new sports book that they apparently invested Ooh. millions into yeah so call, call, benny oh iowa this casino is this is essentially where your entire family lives come on <laughs> they live Not at, at the, the casino, casino. <laughs> at the yeah. casino they yeah, built yeah. the casino so yeah, we'll be we'll be at Iowa casinos, whether Oregon State makes it or not. I'm just gonna, I'm going to have hotel room and tickets for for whatever. Uh, but obviously, we hope Oregon State makes it because I want us to win the Jello shot challenge at whatever bar. I'm, I'm forgetting the name of the bar now. Terry, I have a question for but, you. Do you want to make another prediction? I'd love to make another prediction. Uh, are you sure? Usually. Yeah. OK, I, 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 I love I love I love is, making predictions. Is, what is, is Tanner Smith going to break the home run record this year now as he's a belligerent <laughs> Beavs athlete? You motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank Tanner, you. You heard it here first. Tanner's going to hit 120 home runs this year. Nice. <laughs> and drive in a thousand runs. Oh, man. That would be so epic. I don't, I'm not surprised. Every game is going to take 11 and a half hours because of how many <laughs> runs we score. Ah, <laughs> oh, that, there we go. That's how you bring it back to positivity. Uh, can't wait to be with you all in Council Bluffs, Iowa in June of 2023. It's going <laughs> to be amazing <laughs> watching Oregon State beat Arkansas 137 to one for, for, for another national championship. Uh, from all of us here at the Bullet JPS podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, if you haven't yet, please uh, like, subscribe, rate, review, give us five stars wherever you get your podcast uh preferably on apple or spotify but anywhere works one two three four five stars we sincerely sincerely appreciate that uh and if you have not yet already please share the show with a friend send it to the smug university of washington fan in your life yeah it, that guy on the train who's being an asshole but then being like you know number six is like damian lillard he's good uh, send it to that guy. I Washington fans, they're like they're like duck fans who are cool. That's basically how I think of you know Washington fans. Uh, they'll listen to a beeves podcast for sure. So send this send this episode to the Washington fan in your life. It'll at least give us some listening numbers, whatever. And then if they want to give us a five star review out of charity, we'll take it. <laughs> My name is Terry Horseman. You can follow me on Twitter. Still, we're still on it. 
Uh, we haven't been suspended yet. Uh, I'm at <laughs> Terry Horseman on Twitter and at Terrence Horseman on Instagram. I'm joined by my lovely, amazing, fantastic, smart as fuck, well-spoken co-host as always, JP Bertram at the Trill J on Twitter at the underscore Trill underscore J because he's too Trill to be real and at JP Bertram on Instagram and Benjamin Lawrence Sebastian Weehage Benny with the good quaff Benny Bedlam he's fucking crazy and you can find him at BennyL1986 on both Twitter and Instagram and I think we're all on Facebook somewhere uh, <laughs> at Belligerent Beeves on Twitter at Belligerent Beeves on Instagram and we will be back with another episode next week hopefully recapping an Oregon State football victory against the Cal Golden Showers I mean Golden Bears <laughs> <laughs> yeah and no matter what <laughs> no matter what happens who's out for what season winning gold at the Olympics or the World Championships or whatever no matter what remember remember on this 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, or whatever of November that you can't spell chop them without hope. Chop them! Chop them! Chop them! Bring back Bernice.